0: A wild one in Starkville.
1: The party continues
0: in Starkville. He's a pleasant
1: lad from Starkville. Greetings and welcome to Starkville Spring Training Edition. I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball for the athletic and visit a lot of spring training camps. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, and distinguished former major leaguer, Doug Glanville. And Doug, we did something last week that almost never happens. We saw each other in person. What a concept. We even have the photos to prove it, right? I was in spring training in Arizona. You were in spring training in Arizona. Uh, we post. We had the photo. You can find it on Twitter. Uh, we we, we retweeted that so that you can see that photo out there. Uh, anyway, it was great to
0: see you out there in Arizona, my friend. Absolutely. Too long, man. And and you gave me the official Jason Stark Hall of Fame induction, well, induction's right, honoring hat, the <laughs> Spink Award. That was very cool. I great did. design. and I will be sporting it.
1: Good. And it's pictured <laughs> in that photo that we just spoke about. So that was cool. Uh, all right, let's talk about what spring training's been like. Uh, Doug, I don't know what your visit to spring training was like, a little shorter than mine, but I know how my visit to spring training has been. Everywhere that I go, everybody who I meet wants to talk about one thing. Guess what? Chaining, <laughs> mm. the Astros, technology, the commissioner. Round and round it goes. I Like I keep telling people it feels like a water main break that just keeps (laughs) gushing every day and no one can stop it. So I'm I'm curious, did you have a similar experience?
0: Uh, I mean, absolutely. I was in Cubs camp, but you know, talking to fans, just talking to people, it's, it's just on people's mind. And there's something about when a whole community of fans, players have their sensibilities, totally offended, many of which, really feel blindsided by it cuz you kind of think you're going about it a certain way and you just think there's like this understanding and even though you're suspicious of okay what are they what's person doing here what's this team doing you, you just once it all comes together it's it's like a you know it's like the ice bucket challenge you know you just like what happened
1: <laughs> uh the player reaction has been mind blowing yeah but
0: you know it's
1: it didn't stop there uh it's front office people it's fans it's scouts. It's literally everybody. It's fans. And, you know, I, I know, Doug, that you teach a, a course at UConn, and I can only imagine what the reaction of your students has been. How would you describe that?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I wanted to have that organic experience because I was obviously very close to this as a player, former player, as a, you know, in the game. So I had a certain lens and, you know, I had students that, you know, there's over 40 students that have run the spectrum of different disciplines and interests and, and some don't know about baseball, care about baseball. And I, and I, one thing I wanted them to, to give me feedback off of was the apology, the spring training apology. So it was a very natural reaction. And, and to me, I concluded from it that, that that to me was the biggest issue, the Astros, where they had a chance to sort of turn it a little bit towards a different direction and it actually put kerosene on the fire the interest level went up actually because you know students generally found it to be you know kind of unapologetic in certain ways and defensive and just sort of cage cagey and all these things that make apologies completely fail and make people more angry so that yeah, yeah what, it, was what, like, very, what, it was really interesting
1: what what about it Really uh, uh, struck them, or offended them, or angered them, or almost that uh, they they almost found
0: amusing. Well, the I mean, yeah, there was there was open laughter a couple times. <laughs> truth be told, open laughter. You're you're, yes. you're showing the press conference, correct? And your students are laughing. There was yes, yes. There were, uh, there were different parts, and yeah, uh, you know, I think wow. it, I think it spoke to sincerity or just the. Uh, feeling that there wasn't a lot of sincerity. Certainly the two players that spoke with Bregman and Otuve were so short and just didn't really do anything with it. And one word I heard was "unprepared," which I thought was interesting because they had they're they're the ones effectively who called this. They they're like we're gonna apologize (laughs) on this date, and it just seemed you know the 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 scripts and the paper flying in the wind and the different things, and of course the really great questions the Marley Rivera, uh, you know I mean really they they didn't do well on their feet so. I know. I mean, Dusty. I played for Dusty. He's a great manager, great with people, great communicator. I do think that gives them some opportunity to sort of keep chipping away at this, Uh, because even if they play great and had a fun season, people are still upset. You know, they're just still upset, and I don't think that's going away for anytime soon. For not only them but for the whole game.
1: Right. Yeah, you're exactly you're exactly right. This is not going away. So. We're going to talk more about this in this podcast because that's what the people want, Doug. We're going to give the people what they want. But uh, first, we have some big news to reveal. And how about this? It has nothing to do with trash cans. <laughs> it's about this podcast, buddy. Starting next week, listen to this. If you're listening to this show, you'll be able to listen to the entire show on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, pretty nearly every podcast platform in America. Um, You know, now to listen to the entire show, you have to go to the Athletic app to listen to some of it. It's all going to be available at a podcast platform near you. I am stoked about that. What about you, Doug?
0: Oh, very fired up. I mean, you know, we're just having a blast. You know, we've been doing this since I was in college, basically, of when I was reading your column. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah. it's fun to bring it all to life on pretty much the way we <laughs> see baseball in our crazy lens. So I'm, I'm having a great time.
1: Yeah, we're going to get Tyra Banks on as a guest one of these weeks, right? <laughs> right. We are. You got to talk to our, ev-
0: <laughs> talk to our evil mayor, make it happen. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right, I, I, be, before we get into this p- part of the move to uh, over to mainstream podcast town USA means we're going to have a slightly new format. We're still going to divide the podcast into innings, but we're only going to play six of them. So at least we'll be in compliance with the whole pace of play. Thing. <laughs> right. um, but we're still going to start every inning with a trivia question We'll still be inviting you, our listeners, to, to submit one of those trivia questions, and we'll talk about you and your question. And also, coming next week, get ready, we'll be unveiling the brand new 2020 edition of our world-famous Stupid Baseball Bet. <laughs> so that We have got so much to look forward to. Uh, one more thing. You should also know, if you would like to read our sparkling work in The Athletic, or even ignore our work totally, but read everyone else's fantastic work in The Athletic, you can click on the link wherever you found our podcast this week. Uh, In other words, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever that link was, it's worth a 40% discount on a subscription to The Athletic. Whew, that's all the announcements. We've updated you in all the big off-the-field news. It is time. To play our game. Houston Astros, as you recall, lost the World Series last year. Uh, If they somehow make it through this nutty season and win the World Series, they would be the first team to win a World Series the year after
0: losing a World Series since who oh. oh wow <clears throat> okay Ooh. 20 all right so 2018 was the red Sox, then did they win anytime 2016 2015 uh, no Bo poppy retired blah, blah. so then i'll have to go back well what about the the even year monster <clears throat> right the so San Fran, yeah, I mean, the Giants definitely did that. They did that twice, actually. So hopefully they're the most recent team. So I'm going to go San Francisco Giants, the even-year monster. Okay. That's your
1: final answer. That's
0: it. I'm sticking with that one.
1: All right. Let, let, all right. The even-year thing. Yes. Means what happened in the odd years, Doug? They never even made the postseason <gasps> in those odd years. They didn't lose so no. So, yeah, so I guess that's true.
0: well. The Royals, then the Royals, no, okay, oh, you the remember Royals beat them when I'm no, the sorry, no, the Royals beat them. the Mets, that's right, they lost. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay, so, so that's your, it,
1: the answer is the Royals, right? Exactly, yes. The 2015 Royals are the last team to do this, and I, I thought that was an easy one,
0: yeah, yeah. I kind of overthought I, I did. it, I overthought I that one, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking like win, loss, yeah, win, loss, did. but not go to the World Series and lose, yeah, I missed no, that,
1: yeah, win. Yeah, win, take the year off, win. Yes. That's that. Hence the whole even year Giants. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> we were talking about the Astros. Remember that? Because they're still the topic in baseball, and you touched on this. Maybe they thought that once they started playing games, their lives would settle down. Guess what, Doug? I don't like the chances of that happening <laughs> because they they played a game in beautiful downtown Lakeland, Florida, on Monday. Uh, The the once-beloved Jose Altuve made the trip to Lakeland. And what happened to him? First off, he (laughs) got booed loudly. Jose Altuve got booed. Uh, What did he ever do to the people of Lakeland? They don't care. Uh, Then, first game, third trip to the plate, he got hit by a pitch in the foot, Doug. (laughs) So... uh, I don't know if, if, do we think this is a preview of what's ahead? Um, just so you know, the Astros got hit by a pitch 66 times last season. The team record is 100. So, what are the odds they break that record? And, bonus points, what are the odds they break that record by like Memorial
0: Day? <laughs> yeah, well, they'll break the record. And one of the things they're going to have to deal with is. The speculation of intent, right? I mean, because, you know, you know, we're in a world now where if you just imply it or you give a hypothetical, that's actually a driver to your reaction. And that could be a problem for them because, okay, hit him in the foot. Oh, did he do it intentional? Oh, I have to feel like I have to retaliate. That's where it's going to go off the rails because... Even if something is innocent, it's going to be framed and considered in this new light. Because understandably so, the the game has always had this policing mechanism where you do take matters into your own hands, the vigilante, and you you retaliate. And the teams kind of understand. Uh, I was talking to Rick Sutcliffe about this a couple of days ago. And he's like, well, we used to get a warning right out of the gate, so we always knew we had a free shot to make it even, and then it could die down. Well, you don't really necessarily have that anymore. I mean, if you already know that there's a preconceived idea of, okay, well, you know, I'm going to now go after this out of these uh, because of what the Astros have done, that's a problem. So I I think the psychological warfare of this is going to be really difficult because Balls are going to get away from pitchers unintentionally, and it's still going to be seen through this very nefarious lens. And that's going to make up for a very paranoid year for the Houston Astros.
1: <laughs> However many times they get hit by a pitch, whether it's 100 or 200 or 800, whatever it is, that's 100 or 200 or 800 times we're going to do exactly what you just described, <laughs> Right. try to figure out what the heck happened. And you know, I, like, I, I'm having a hard time sorting out uh, how the baseball culture will absorb all this because we've seen players speak out in a way we've never seen before, right? They, they, this clearly offended them and they wanted to let the world know about it. But how do they let the Astros know about it? Is the hit by pitch the
0: only way that happens? Well, that that's the way it's been done. But as Manfred has gotten ahead of it, commissioners said, "Well, I want to you know extra pressure, extra punishment if people are really retaliating for these reasons." I'm not sure how he's going to know uh, how to determine that. And it also speaks to well was it was it okay you hit someone in the back when the guy hit the home run in the upper deck? Like you're going to sort now diminish that type of retaliation? You know that's that's you know. So you have to be careful with raising the stakes on something that we you, we always had a certain baseline in other scenarios where you hit people, which also wasn't acceptable. Uh, and and remember, part of this is you know the effort to try to put a bow on it and says move forward, as the astro said, move forward. Uh, he, I think, Rob Manford tried to get this done expeditiously and what was achievable in a time frame to say let's start the season with this clean slate, and and that was kind of a a, a misread in the sense of. This isn't going anywhere, you know, and and you can't, no, no matter, even the perfect apology, people are still going to be very uh, reluctant to believe anything. And that doubt is going to create a lot of chaos this season. So I, I don't think it's simple. And, and if you decide that, oh, I'm going to take away this on-field balancing act of, of how players create equilibrium, no matter how Neanderthal it is, then what are they supposed to do? They, 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 there was no suspensions. There was no like, we're taking your trophy. There was, okay, it's embarrassing and all these other things. But if what are you supposed to do as an opponent besides speak on it? Uh, and as you said, it's unprecedented for players to go at each other. You know, constituents in the Players Association, uh, all these things are so unique to this Astros situation. And I don't think it's going to get, you know, any calmer anytime soon.
1: Yeah, and and Doug, I'm glad that you mentioned the commissioner because Rob Manfred has been making some making himself available to answer lots and lots and lots and lots of questions about this mess. Uh, I was at the session in Arizona last week, and every single question had something to do with this. And I, I just wanted to review. A few of the things that we've heard him say, and I'll let you react to whatever you want in here, uh, because uh, he called the World Series trophy a piece of metal. Now, he later apologized for that, but he did it. Uh, He admitted for the first time that the Astros were still banging on their trash cans during the postseason in 2017. Uh, You know, they'd all but said that. I'd never heard him say those words before, so that was eye-popping. And then this was one that didn't get a lot of attention but got mine. He said that Major League Baseball was aware of the Jose Altuve buzzer allegations and, and aware of the weird video evidence or whatever that was of it before the investigation even started what he said but his conclusion was well the Astros players told me the truth about 2017 and they told me the truth about 2018 so he said he couldn't figure out why they wouldn't have told the truth about adamantly saying they were not cheating in 2019 despite buzzergate Uh, Doug there was lots more But I promised that I I was going to let you react to whatever you wanted to react to. So pick one of those and then feel free to rant. I'm interested in Uh, what struck you.
0: I mean, to tie it together, in a way, I I appreciate the, uh, I don't know if it's idealism or just, you know, okay, like the honor system. Remember, that was part of this, right? An honor system that they're not going to abuse the video room. Uh, I appreciate the idea that he's trying to, OK, you know, you show that players have a certain level of maturity expected or honesty or whatever it is. Uh, but the idea that, first of all, if you're really good and create the success off of cheating in this matter or using technology as a matter, would you stop or would you evolve? And that and that's the big question because, OK, 2018, we're still, you know, are we still banging cans or we've found another way to deliver it because, you know, Danny Farquhar kind of was suspicious of what was going on, so we had to sort of change things, right? So, I, you know, and giving someone the benefit of the doubt with that track record is not going to go over well. Not only in the fact that, you know, you're trusting them after this track record, but it's also other teams and how they're going to perceive uh, your efforts to really dig into what's going on to get ahead of it because they already have proven that they're ahead of everybody else <laughs> you know so so that's a yeah. problem i mean and and that starts to erode at the confidence of of you know you're trying to catch up now to the decisions you've made to how to investigate this and it, it's it's just fallen short and now you're really behind trying to catch up and i don't know how you do it because teams are now about to get to their their way of creating sort of a fair play so to speak yeah you know?
1: yeah um you, you know in many of my conversations in spring training the the question that we pondered was what's next yeah you know you just kind of touched on 2019 uh, i i think the answer to what's next is 2019 um major league baseball was not able to substantiate or prove that the Astros were cheating in 2019. Around the sport, people seem convinced that they were. So where is that going to lead? I don't know, but there are are a lot of former Astros, former members of the 2019 Astros who are no longer Astros, right? And there are a lot of people in baseball who want to know what happened. So if you're going to ask me what's to come, What are we going to learn about the Houston Astros before this season's over? I'm just kind of bracing myself for that. We'll see. But as we mentioned, we're going to talk about the Astros every single week of this podcast, it looks like. So we're going to move along this week. And let's go to the second inning question. Uh, Doug, the Dodgers won 106 games last year, never even made it to the World Series. I want you to name the only other team in the last 20 years that won that many games or
0: more, but did not play in the World Series that year. Wow. 106 games? Uh, And so they won that many games and didn't play in the World Series. Uh, How about the New York Yankees? Seems like a Yankee type of thing.
1: No, this team lost to the New York Yankees, however. And it featured a guy who was about to become a really prominent Yankee, but he wasn't a Yankee then. The Yankees ended his career with that team, his original team. The
0: All right, you're lost. Oh, right. Randy Johnson? Lost. Randy Johnson? You're lost. Randy Johnson?
1: <laughs> to no, but well, he was a teammate of Randy Johnson at one time. We're talking about the one, the only, Alex Rodriguez and the 2001 Mariners. Oh
0: yeah, they were good, weren't they?
1: Dodgers and the Mariners in this century, the only two. Wow. So it, this is about the Dodgers. Let's not talk about A Rod, okay? <laughs> we mentioned the Dodgers because. You know, one thing I do every year, it's really fun, really eye-opening. I do a big spring training preview extravaganza, which you can find on The Athletic. And as part of it, I do a big poll of people all over baseball. It's mostly GMs and front office people, but, you know, there's scouts and coaches and managers. They love to do it, so I let them do it. Um, So this year I polled 30 people and a lot of fun questions. But one of the questions was... Who's the most improved team in baseball heading into spring training? And my pick would be the Dodgers. But guess what? They did not get the most
0: votes. Do you want to guess who did? Uh, how about the Chicago White Sox? They they made some moves. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're right. Now,
1: just to be clear, I actually asked for the most improved in each league, right? So it's a little different question, but the White Sox, 30 people voted. You could vote for three. 25 of them voted for the White Sox as one of the three most improved wow. teams in the American League. I, again, I think the Dodgers are the most improved team, uh, even just that one deal. 106-win um, team, added a 6-9-win to nine win player in Mookie Betts. uh at, at, Added David Price, and I talked to David the other day, and he's in a great frame of mind. I think really excited to be there. Dodgers are going to maximize the way they use them. Don't care about innings, don't care about pitch counts, don't care about volume, just want to be good when they get to the big games at the end. Uh, I think the Dodgers are the most improved team, but I'm going to let you vote on your most improved team. Go for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, I, where I would separate the White Sox – is that it's like their improvement is also internal. I mean, yes, they added, you know, some pieces, you know, Keuchel and, and Encarnacion or, you know, experience. But they also just had guys that are just a year older. And and they their improvement was remarkable. You know, someone like Tim Anderson, you know, just Joan Moncada, Eloy Jiménez... I mean, they just have some incredible talent. You know, Abreu, who just drove in a truckload of runs last year. So so some of it is just the fact that they're a year older, and if they can just continue this trajectory, you're not going to want to pitch to these guys. You are not. And if Giolito, guys like that. So I, I, there's there's a lot of talent. And so it wasn't the splash move as much of a Mookie bet certainly. But everybody can see that this is a young team about poise, to to shift to the next gear, and that's that's what excites me about what their potential is because they they actually just have d- developed and it's the right time for them.
1: It wasn't about the splash move. There was a lot of splashing, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they of, know they made a lot st- of splashing. They made some splashing. It wasn't Mookie bets. <laughs> There's only so many Mookie's out yeah. there, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. I, I want you to also vote on the least improved team. The way that I frame the question is. Most unimproved, (laughs) and um, like to me, this is this isn't even a question. It's so obviously the Orioles, right? Like (laughs) they're not even interested in the whole concept of improving, (laughs) right? One of the one of the fun things I did in this survey, you can you can read about it, was. I, you know, I, I know people walk in the streets of, say, Montana, could never name six Orioles, but I tried that on baseball people, people in front offices. I just name their lineup or name their bullpen, like stuff like that, and the reactions were hilarious. <laughs> stuff guys were saying, "I don't know who the hell's on there." <laughs> So well, I had a guy. He he tried it, he, he said, "All right, I'm gonna let me try their bullpen." <laughs> so he got Michael Givens. <laughs> Yep. And he was like stammering uh i can't i can only name one guy in their whole bullpen that's our Orioles. so i don't know if you can top that but i'll let you pick another team that you think well, is most unimproved
0: well, i was gonna say like mike flanagan jim palmer i was i was gonna rattle off my <laughs> Orioles. that was that was a time when the Orioles were identifiable they're unidentifiable oh my gosh there, literally oh boy well i i was i mean you know I'm probably going to go with someone like the Rockies or Colorado. I mean, I, you know, as you know I'm in the Hartford area, so the Yard Goats are the double A affiliate. So, I'm excited to think that they didn't make a whole lot of moves if any because they are relying on their double A team and that could be a good team to watch right down the street. So, so uh, Is that what they're doing? They're just that's their strategy, the, to bolster their Hartford Yard goat affiliate. So, uh, yeah, not much. I mean, Arenado. I don't think that is the strategy. <laughs> I mean, so Arenado like kind of stole all the oxygen this offseason about like w- what's happening with him and is he is he bitter and so I, I they just froze and maybe it was because they weren't sure what the heck was gonna happen with him and just did did nothing. So that's certainly uh that's my answer. <laughs> that's your theory, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh,
1: you know, they uh, I, I mean, I just was there yesterday, so uh, I, their theory is. Uh, They had a really good team two seasons ago. And almost everything that could go wrong last year went wrong, especially on their pitching staff. And they believe in their guys, Doug. That's their story, and they're sticking to it. They believe in their guys. So we'll find out how much that belief is worth. Because if if their belief in their guys is not well-founded – the Nolan Arenado stuff is just going to roar back to life worse than ever heading into July. Yep. I can hardly wait. <laughs> All right, one more thing about the poll. You know, one of the things I do in this poll is I collect votes for the best and worst free agent signing. Uh, a funny thing happened this year. A guy named Steven Strasberg showed up in the top four best and worst signings. <laughs> okay, so I want you to decide which he is. If I had to pick one, much as I love watching the guy and much as I think he's become a much fiercer competitor than at any time in his career, if I had to pick one, I would take the worst. He's on the wrong side of 30. He signed the second largest free agent pitching contract of all time behind Garrett Cole. And have you perused his health history? I have. Uh, He's been on the injured list in his career. Twelve times. Yikes. Twelve. So like I just I'm gonna have a hard time betting on Steven Strasberg taking his turn two hundred times over these next seven seasons. I, I I gotta go with worst based on history. But you can you can pick best or worst. Go ahead.
0: Well, I, I probably agree with you, but I'm going to play devil's advocate here and assume that the watching the nationals have an incredible insurance policy. Um, and, you know, they could shoot a commercial because if he gets hurt, you know, you know, then they're ready for that. I'm sure they must have considered that, it, it cons- you know, all the, like you said, 12 times. I mean, that is remarkable. So no, there's no chance he's going to go through seven years without getting hurt uh, at some point. Uh, but they're also paying for what he did, and what he did was absolutely transformational for not only baseball and the underdog story, but just how well... Uh, he sort of repositioned the Washington Nationals franchise. Uh, so a lot of that money is kind of gravy, you know, it's like, okay, you know, this guy brought me in whatever $60 million by being such a dominant force in the postseason. So, you know, if you look through the lens of, Hey, you, you want us a whole lot of money and did did us well for Washington, D.C. baseball, you know, all right, you might, you might miss some time. We'll we're okay. We're going to send you off into pasture, with a check and a large one at that,
1: yeah. But the ins- like the insurance money doesn't help you win. It does. It does <laughs> so, not. So I like I I I don't think it might make them feel better. <laughs> right. when they have to write the checks, but it help doesn't help you win. You you sign a guy to that size contract for a quarter billion dollars to win. So I, I you know, I love watching Stephen, but I, I'm going worst. All right, let's move along to. To the inning that I am looking forward to more than any other. We think of Madison Bumgarner as Mr. October. But guess what? Not only does he not lead all active pitchers in most postseason wins, he's actually fourth. Now, I don't, I'm not going to ask you to name all three of the guys ahead of him, but here's the question. What active pitcher has the most postseason wins in his career.
0: Well, so I know Bumgarner's his claim to fame more his ERA. He's like the lowest ERA. I thought that was like his thing. Um, yeah, that's what <laughs> Okay. Uh, I'm going to guess someone like Adam Wainwright. Is he still around? Because he seemed like he's had a lot of postseason wins. He's still around. He's still active. He's not the answer, but he's still
1: around. He actually, no. he actually, oh. one of those years, the, the Cardinals won the World Series. He actually was not an active pitcher because he had surgery that year. But you can go with that. It just, he's not he's not the answer. The answer is a guy named Justin Furlander, because mm. all things come back to Astros players. <laughs> he's got 14 of them. And then it's a really big gap to second place, which is uh, nine. Kershaw and Lester, Then it's seven. There's Mad Bum, there's Scherzer, and there is Cole Hamels. Uh, I didn't even look up Adam Wainwright. Uh, he didn't turn up. So. Oh, well. Good guess. <laughs> All right. Anyway, <laughs> uh, enough of this. Enough of the serious Madison Bumgarner talk, because we've got to move along to my favorite story of the entire spring training. It comes from uh, Andy Baggerly and Zach Buchanan our teammates at The Athletic. They uncovered a blockbuster. Turns out that for years now, there's been a famous rodeo cowboy named Mason Saunders. (laughs) He's been competing in a bunch of rodeos around America and even, like, win some prizes, rope and steers and stuff like that in in these rodeos. And I would be proud as heck of Mason Saunders. If it were not for the fact that Mason Saunders is not even Mason Saunders, (laughs) we know him by a different name. That name, of course, is Madison Bumgarner. Um, Mason Saunders, that's just his alias, or at least it used to be his alias. Um, But then Andy and Zach came marching up to him the other day and showed him a photo of Miles Saunders Famous rodeo cowboy who looked a lot like him. And his quote was tremendous. This is ruining my alias. <laughs> yep. Sure, sure is. Um I I have a lot of reactions to this. Uh first is like you know, one of the things that these guys asked him was, didn't anybody recognize it was you? He said, sure, everybody knew it was me. But it never got out. So Doug. Who leaked this story? We know that Andy and Zach will never reveal their sources. Here's my guess this story was leaked by those steers Madison Bumgarner's been roping. They were getting tired of it. They had all these neck burns, and they showed him. They got that. They all have Twitter accounts and posted it. That's my theory. What do you think?
0: I like it these days. Who who knows? <laughs> Could be the, the uh, did they have rodeo clowns? What about the rodeo clowns? They might have got a union. rodeo clowns. <laughs> they went out there. They, they,
1: yeah, that I, you know one one thing I've always noticed about those rodeo clowns—they're not that funny.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, because they're running for their lives. <laughs> <legs.
1: laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yes, but there's a serious side uh, to those clowns. They're prime suspects based on that. Okay. Also. Um, you know, Mad Bum just signed a four-year contract with uh, the Diamond Diamondbacks, not a Giant anymore. So as a pitcher, we know this is not his last rodeo. But as a cowboy, <laughs> right. you know what? I think it is his last rodeo.
0: <laughs> I, I, <will. laughs> I don't know if
1: there is a specific rodeo clause in his contract or are there any specific rodeo clauses in his Giants contract. It doesn't sound like it. But I have a feeling that the Diamondbacks front office will be at... What I would say is the end of its rope yeah, on this one. the to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, what do you think? Uh, I don't know if you've ever roped any steers. I don't know if you have any rodeo experience. At the very least, you must have some great contract clause stories. Oh,
0: man. I mean, I yeah, I'm amazed – Uh, I mean, for starters, yeah, maybe rodeo might not be in there, but I don't know about that. I mean, there, from what I remember, my last (laughs) multi year deal, I had everything under the sun in a gigantic paragraph of all the things I'm not allowed to do, and if I do, uh, it is considered a breach of contract, and they could you know find a way to revoke it. That's what I understood it to be. Now, yeah, some of it's obvious, like basketball. (laughs) and skiing right. but there's also like spelunking right. and you know now if you think about spelunking you must think about rodeo so i i need to review that contract because i wouldn't be shocked if something to do with, you know uh animal control slash rodeo is i mean it's got to be in there so yeah, i think I he was think you so. know no that's I, it let me just say be. though they, it you, will be
1: yeah but, it will be let me just say you have World
0: famous spelunker written all over you, <laughs> right? Exactly. I mean, I was like, "Is there origami in there?" I don't know. You know, <laughs> I, I just like, wow. So it, they they put and what you I ever run afoul of any of these clauses? Uh, pro- I, you know, probably not. I mean, well, one one funny thing that I decided to do with it is when I proposed to my wife, who is an attorney, she, I had her sign that clause to verify like all the things that I agree not to do and that she agreed not to do. Uh, in our marriage. So I figured that's how long it was. And it was very enjoyable to have a lawyer read that. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> bananas. So, yeah, I mean, I remember, think about all the accidents. Ron Gant, uh, you know, uh, Quantrill, right, Paul Quantrill on the snowmobile and the skiing and the forerunners and, you know, Jeff Kent and the pop in the motorcycle wheelies. And yeah, people get jacked to Aaron Boone. So there's there's a whole host of people that get hurt doing another sport that's not authorized. So it's you know it's a risk, but yeah, the team would rather you just not do it and be healthy. And Mad Bum is going to be a big part of the Diamondbacks' rotation, so they're gonna yeah, you, they're gonna fix that. <laughs> you you know who
1: one of those people is, one of those players is who got hurt playing another sport.
0: Mad, Mad Bomb. Bum. Oh,
1: right? Exactly. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> the bur- the dirt bike. <laughs> right. For some reason, the Giants didn't void his contract after that. Probably yeah. they liked having him around. Uh, all right, one more aspect of this story that you have to love alias oh yeah <laughs> the alias now i n- i've never used any alias in my life i, I close as i came you know in my like in spanish class in high school they used to you know what's your spanish name i didn't they couldn't think of one for me so they called me diego i was assigned diego as my spanish alias but major league baseball players employ aliases oh big time all the time big time every every week of the year uh so, Doug, <laughs> I, I want you to make the dramatic announcement on this podcast. What's your greatest alias ever?
0: Oh, why? Well, well, this, you'll you'll come as a shock. <laughs> I actually did not have an alias. I, I was all in, like, that's my name. And come on. I, I didn't have an alias. No way. I didn't. But here's the alias that I did select as a honorary alias. It was Dante McWhat. Dante McWhat. <laughs> yes. So, but you never used it. I never used Dante McWhat.
1: Oh my so, god! Uh, so, wait, wait, wait. Just <laughs> to be clear, why do why do baseball players have aliases when they check into a hotel? Yes. They don't want knuckleheads calling their room. And they did. Yeah. Hey, I like to I like to talk to Doug Glanville. Yes. Any chance he's registered under his no name? Yes, he is. But if you know, all other players are onto this. So they have aliases. Yeah, I
0: I mean, well, right. So, okay, for example, when I was trying to figure out representation, I called Cal Ripken and I got the called the hotel and he answered the phone. I said, can I have Cal Ripken? They rang up. They they said yes at the desk and they rang right up to the room and he picked up the phone. Now, later I found out he was a different hotel, but still (laughs) it was like. Really? So <laughs> that that kind of, that was, that literally moment, I was like, I'm not going to have an alias with Cal Ripken, even though he's a different hotel, whatever. So, uh, but yeah, we had guys like Theodore Wiggins. Um, we had Tony Montana. Uh, we had various members of the, the Sesame Street cast. Uh, we had uh, Huckleberry Finn. So we, we had all kinds of people, uh, you know, and I remember one of the traveling secretaries in Philly got so annoyed with the aliases that he, he just snapped. Um, it was it was because rookies who just got there, who five weeks in the big leagues already had all these complicated aliases and something got mixed up. He's like, I'm so sick and tired of these rookies coming up here. They're Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and Joe DiMaggio. Who do they think they are? They just got here in the big leagues. Use your real name. And he just kind of lost it. And people just <laughs> were like, okay. So yeah, it, it's um, I get it. I've had once in a while I did have a fan call the room, and yeah, uh, I you know I I do understand, but I just I just rejected it, and in the end it, it actually worked out fine. But you know I played with Alex Rodriguez. He was at a different hotel, and and yeah, I, I mean certain guys are in the stratosphere, so that's understandable. Michael Jordan when he played baseball that one year and all that. So uh, yeah, so I get it, uh, but it was highly entertaining to read our our sheet of paper we got at the hotel. Oh, here's your teammates. And like literally 90% of them were like characters from, from sort of movie or like the Muppets. So that's how it went down.
1: Wow. Well, I'm excited to know that I'm doing this podcast with America's most transparent, big league baseball player. (laughs) Second only to Cal Ripken. (laughs) Second only. (laughs) Okay. That's really exciting. Okay. Time for this week's listener question. We love the listener question. Why do we love it? Because it allows you, our favorite listeners, to be part of our podcast. We're going to give you your 15 seconds of fame. We'll tell you how momentarily. Just to review, though, the idea of the question is you submit a question, then our evil mayor of Starkville, Cam, uh, he'll look at the question and say, boy, they'll definitely get that wrong. Let's use that question. And it's also something that is going to provide a fun topic for us to kick around. So it's time for this week's question. And I'm excited because we've actually been doing pretty well with these questions lately, which is shocking. Uh, Let's see how this one goes. It comes from Blake Harrison. And Blake took advantage of our email feature by emailing us the question. Here's what he asks. Aside from Barry Bonds, Doug, what player holds the single season record for the most intentional walks in a season? Now, just to be clear, uh, I don't believe there's a record book entitled the, aside from Barry Bond's record book, (laughs) Barry does hold this record. So the answer to the question would not be a record holder. He would be the runner up. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm going to take the first guess on this one. All right. I am going to guess it's the player who held the record before Barry. Mm -hmm. Uh, That would have been the late, great Willie McCovey. Mm. And I, if I remember right, he had like 44 intentional walks one year. Wow. So how feared was that guy? I'm going Willie McCovey. Doug, have a guess?
0: Oof. Well, I mean, I was I was going to go, how about like Mark McGuire? You know, someone who hit like a lot of home runs. <laughs> and yeah, uh, Not a very good team. Yeah. So... I mean, I figured they should have installed a people mover from home to first when Bond was playing. At a certain point, you just got to go, like, upgrade the technology and just have like a escalator, you know, just lay it out there because he's he's gonna walk to first. So why expend the energy? Yeah, this was
1: the year that the year that Barry set this record. He walked over two hundred times total. (laughs) This this was my one of my favorite strange but true stats ever. Uh, If you had taken away Every one of Barry Bonds hits that year. He still would have been on base more times than the player who led the league in hits that year, <laughs> Juan Pierre. That's that's pretty much impossible, right? Oh. But not for him. Um, all right. Let's bring in Cam. I guess McCovey and Doug guess Mark McGuire. What's the answer there, Mayor Cam? I hate to tell you this. It was actually forty-five intentional walks that Willie McCovey had in his nineteen sixty-nine MVP <laughs> yeah. season. But yes, Willie McCovey stretch is the yeah. correct answer. Wow. We're on a roll. We are on oh, an official nice. roll, gentlemen.
0: Nicely done. <coughs> yeah, we're doing okay. How about that? Thank you, lady. Blake Harrison.
1: Yeah, very I nice. know. Uh, I don't know what's. I don't know what's happening. But this, like, I do. I, this is a word of advice to all our favorite listeners. This does not mean you're supposed to make the questions harder. Okay. we No, like it. So keep it up. Keep up the great work listeners. Got it. <laughs> all right. Doug, uh, there's a quick topic I want to bring up on this note. Um, I'm going to predict that intentional walks will double, maybe even triple, maybe even set an all time record this season. Do you want to guess why that is? No, do tell. What do you think? What's your theory on this? (laughs) (laughs) I will do tell. It has to do with a new rule. That rule is the three batter rule, right? Every relief pitcher has to face at least three hitters, starters too, actually, unless the inning ends. And I want you to think about how you would be structuring a lineup if you were trying to counteract that rule. Uh, you know, that left-hander who comes in to face uh, Freddie Freeman or Bryce Harper or Christian Yelich or whoever, uh, he has to stay in the game. And so you're probably going to pop a right-handed hitter behind him. Correct? Wouldn't that be logical? Makes sense. Ah, but let's think this, right? Let's think this through, though. Uh, get Bryce Harper out. Then you put up the four fingers and intentionally walk the right-handed hitter, or say Reese Hoskins. And now that means the left-handed, hitter, left-handed reliever gets to face another left-hander as his third hitter faced. And like that's going to be a thing. Intentional walks are going to erupt. So do we like that? Is that good? <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, it, it, it is ripe for... The analytics world to find some way to kind of undermine this rule in a way that you know makes baseball sense. And uh, now the the risk though is you know you start walking people, you're gonna have to pay attention to that bench over there to see who they're gonna pinch hit for for that second lefty, and that may not be that great, you know. And uh, you know I was I was hoping that there could be. Some pitchers that they say, you know what? I need to be more well-rounded. I need to have stuff to get out righties and lefties. And I know that goes counter a lot of the specialization, yeah. but no. that might be, become a really great weapon to have someone who can neutralize both fairly well. Uh, but, I, you know, the walks, you know, you're putting runners on base, and you know the analytics uh, world is going to be like, no, 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 you're adding base runners, but uh, depends on that bench because you you might walk yourself right into trouble.
1: Well... It's going to be interesting. Get ready. You heard it here first. Intentional walks. Double, triple, reach historic levels. Right here on Starkville. (laughs) We have informed the world this is coming. Uh, All right. So perhaps you enjoyed hearing Blake Harrison get his 15 seconds of fame today. (laughs) You too could achieve this exalted status. You just got to send us a trivia question. You can do it via Twitter. You can do it via email. If you want to email it, here's the address. It's Starkville with an E on the end, Starkville at the Athletic.com. Or if you want to tweet at us, you can tweet it at me. I am Jason with a Y S T J A Y S O N S T. Doug, how can they find you?
0: Pretty easy at Doug Glanville, D-O-U-G, another G L A N V I L L E. Hit me up.
1: Right. And Just hashtag those questions with the hashtag Starkville with an E-Q-S. All right, this week, at least, this is going to do it for Starkville for some of you. But if you're an athletic subscriber, you can keep listening over at the Athletic app or the Athletic website, and you too can become an athletic subscriber. How about that? Just go find the link you first clicked to find us here. It'll get you 40% off a subscription to The Athletic. But for those of you leaving us, thanks for listening. We will see you next week on Bell.